Unbelievably beautiful, guys. Thank you. Colleen is here with the Bible boxes for those of children who would like to grab those. For the rest of us, let's take our scriptures and turn to Acts chapter 3. We're going to be entering in on this third Sunday of Eastertide, a continuation of a study of what changed now that Jesus rose from the dead. How did Peter go from being a denier to a testifier of who he is and what he's done to the very people that he denied that he knew him? And what does that look like then in God working through us to bring his power into this world and how that happens as the power of the resurrection begins? I want to start with an analogy to kind of uh, set the stage a little. I want you to imagine that a person from the ancient world is transported through time to the 21st century Santa Barbara, having lived in a world where power comes from the wind, from fire, from animals. They enter our world and they expect that power is the same in our time. It comes from those sources. They enter into their new home. They notice that there's a large, flat, black object sitting upright in the living room. Having never experienced such a thing before, they have no idea how to power it. Instead, they think it's some kind of window looking into a perpetual darkness that they have no control over. Now, having never even known or accessed the power of electricity... This person will live in a world of possibilities. And not only will they have no access to the power, they will also have a distorted understanding of those electronic devices that surround them in this modern world. You probably saw this uh, German advertisement a while back introducing uh, the iPad Uh, The iPad was given by this young daughter, she's in her 20s, to her father, who has never seen an iPad before. And so she purchased it for $499, gave it to him, and then this is what happens the next time that they're together. It's in in German, but you have to read the the titles. It says, no iPod was harmed in this. If you couldn't read it, it says the cutting board, $8.95. iPad, $500. Now, although there's a similarity between the analogy that I just gave you and this this, uh, commercial shows you, that not accessing electricity and not knowing what it could do for you is similar to a person living in creation in which God has made his presence known. I mean, we sang it all the way through the the songs that Melanie chose for us to sing today. This great creation is a reflection of God's very presence and power. You can't 
look at the universe and look at the size and look at the complexity of the, the most micro part of our world and not have some sense that there's intelligence beyond and there's some purpose beyond that. And yet there are many, many people today who live in this creation and do not access the relationship and the power of God in their lives. But the difference between the reality of humanity and that analogy is that every human being has some innate, intuitive sense that they are created by something larger than and that they are overbuilt for this world. All you have to do is study anthropology to go back through history and see that human beings have long recognized there is something beyond, some higher power, something to whom they are accountable, yet so many of the of the primitive faith didn't understand how do you access that power? How do you satisfy that power? How do you get good crops? Is it by offering your firstborn such that that God will love you and give flourishing to your firstborns of your flock and on and on. But there's an intuitive sense that there is something more in humanity and yet so many of us don't understand how to. And I've, I've experienced as a Christian that many Christians also struggle in understanding the power of God. How do you access God's power? When and how does he work? What does it look like when he works? And how do you know what he's going to do and when he's going to do it. So this morning we're continuing Eastertide. We've seen the greatest example of power in all of history where a dead man rose from the dead, resurrected. Now he wasn't just resuscitated. We'll study that this year when we look at Lazarus who came back to the life that he had. He was resurrected into a whole new eternal life that we're all going to experience. Now, that's a power beyond any of our imaginations, and yet it's what Easter means. It's what Easter is saying and what demonstrates to each of us. So we want to look at this. Now, the Acts of the Apostles are, of course, what happened those first days, years after the resurrection. And so we're going to go to the third chapter. We're going to start with the first verse, and we're going to go through the 21st. I've actually added on a few verses from what the, uh, the lectionary encourages us to do to give you a larger context to the verses. The NIV translators title this section, Peter Heals a Lame Beggar. Luke writes, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. 
When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned this holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. Now keep that open before you and let's pray. Father, we often look at a world that is so filled with the world's powers and the world's struggles, the world's diseases, the world's sorrows, and we feel so overwhelmed that we don't lift up our heads to you to recognize that you want to do even more than we could ask or think. And we don't allow your power to be unleashed in our lives. And so today, as we're in sanctuary where it's safe, where we can talk about the real things, we want to turn our attention to you. And we want to, to see you. And we want to understand. And we want to allow your power to be present in and through us. All to your glory and to your praise. In Jesus' name we pray these words. Amen. I love the question that Peter asks these onlookers, these fellow Israelites, who have been called by God to be his people now for about 2,000 years. He has shown his power time after time after time down through history, and yet they are surprised now when they see it once more. Peter says, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us? as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk. It's that second question that we want to focus on. Why do you stare at us? 
Interestingly, the word that Peter uses there is the same word that Luke, in his description of this event, uses to describe how Peter looked intently at the man before he healed him. It's the very same word. It's the word atenedzo. And atenedzo means to look intently, to gaze intently, to fix our eyes on, to stare with intense interest, to try to see what is before us. What is this that we are experiencing in all of its depth? So when Peter fixed his gaze intently on this crippled man, he was trying to discern what does God want to do with this moment and with his life? The people fixed their gaze upon Peter and John trying to figure out who are these two people that they can make a lame man walk. Now I suggest to you that in both of those directions in this one instance we have two sides of God's power and it's important that we understand both sides of the coin in order to understand how God works within our lives first since it is not our power we need to look closely at the person or situation and discern God's intention what does God want to do with our mother our father our spouse our child our neighbor our world. What does he want to do? And second, since it is not our power, we need to look closely at God when he chooses to bring his power into our lives. To in any way imply that it was the power of Peter or it was the power of John is to both disrespect God, the one who gave them the ability to bring his power into the world and into this man's life, But it also confuses everyone who's watching it. Is this about glorifying Peter and John, making them famous? Or is this about God and his care over us? As prideful human beings, we can easily succumb to the tendency to claim that it's our power. uh, To have people look at us and give us some kind of fame or praise or honor. But to do so is to take what is not ours, whatever was our power, is to confuse people who should be looking up to God and giving praise for what God is doing and instead are staring intently at some human agent. We're we're only instruments, agents acting in the name of the one who heals. Now to understand that, I want to go back and let's look closely at the, the text. First, that it's not our power. We need to look closely at the person, at the situation, at the circumstances to discern, okay, what is God's intention here? Does he want to heal? Does he want to comfort in the midst of sorrow? Does he want to do some development in the understanding of the people about God's power? What does God want to do if we ask him for his empowerment? What does he empower us to do? It's interesting in verses 4 and 5, there are three different words that are used by Luke and Peter to describe looking at. The word used to describe what Peter does, atenedzo, is qualitatively different than the word he himself uses to ask the man to look at them. 
or Luke uses to describe the man giving his attention to them, expecting to get something in return. It's that difference that describes this first access to God's power. We look at others through the eyes of God to see and discern what it is he wants to do in their life. We don't just see them, blippo, nor do we look at them to get something from them, apeko. We atenezo them. We intently focus our hearts and our minds and our thoughts and our prayers on what is happening in their life so that we might discern what God wants to do. Another way of saying it is that Peter, or you, or me, do not control the power of God. We are simply willing instruments, ready to do whatever it is that God wants to do in a given moment and in a given circumstance and in a given person's life. So we must first focus on intently the person. We must intercede for them. We must bring them to God. We must look at the circumstances and learn to discern God's hand and God's power and God's presence in their life and in ours. As we become his agent, we intercede. Now, when Peter does so in this instance, and you certainly recognize that this wasn't the first lame man they'd seen, and certainly not even the first lame man they had seen that day. And there were beggars all along as they walked to church because that would be the place where the most generous people of, of God would be walking. So this wasn't the only one. But in this instance, Peter discerned that God was ready to heal him when he looked intently at him. So what does he do? He extends his hand. He even tells us he picks him up by his right hand. He got personally involved with the person in need. He explains that he doesn't have what the man thinks he needs, which he thinks that silver and gold is his greatest need. But what he does have is the authority to be an agent of God, to bring his power in his name, to act in the name of, which is what an agent of God is. So to act in the name and power and authority of God, and to, in fact, do a work in his life. And so as an agent of Jesus Christ, he says to him, walk. And he jumps up and he walks. Now, we know that the way it was done did not bring glory to Peter so that the man jumped up and said, wow, who are you? We, I want to, to follow you. Because immediately, it says, they jumped up and they went to church together. They went into the temple together. Together they gave God praise, praising God, not praising Peter or praising any other human being, but rather praising God. So whatever else happened in that moment, God was glorified. He was praised and his action became the focal point. And that leads us, of course, then to the second side of God's power. The healed man may have given praise to God. But everyone else around seems to think that it was Peter, it was John, and they looked intently at them rather than at God. Now, as we saw in verse 12, the word that Peter uses to describe the people 
around him is the very same word, focusing intently, the atenezo, them. They were giving them, Peter and John, the focus that should only have been given to God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, his wonderful Father who raised him from the dead. It's interesting to me, and as I said, this is a common problem, actually, among Christians. And it's, it's something that we have to be very aware of, is that we often focus our attention on human instruments of God, thinking that somehow they are uniquely different from us. Even when a pastor or an evangelist or a teacher turns our heads towards God, to have a nets of God, to look intently at God, that he's the source of all life. He's the one who brings eternal life and abundant life. So often it's easy for us as human beings to look at humans and think that somehow they are uniquely capable of caring for us, rather than recognizing it's been God all along that has used many people in a variety of ways to bring about our growth and our development. When that happens, of course, and we focus on a human being, then we're focusing the wrong way. And the temptation, of course, of the person we're focusing on is to accept that praise, to accept that fame that only belongs to God. Now, obviously, there's nothing wrong with being thankful that God is using us to help someone, whether we're teaching or preaching or praying prayers of healing or bringing comfort in the midst of sorrow or whatever our spiritual gift is, that's how God works. He uses it through us, and it's a great joy to be an instrument of God to bring his uh, uh, care and tension into another person's life. But just as obviously... When we take that as being our own and we take their praise, then it becomes a difficulty not only for us, but for the person. And instead of focusing on God, they focus on us. In the end, of course, as this lame man gets up and jumps and walks into church together and all of them sit down and praise God together, it's a a great recognition that we are all equal at the foot of the cross, that we're all people who have come to experience equally in a, in a mutually discerning and caring way what God does within our lives. The power of God has been given to us to bring about healing, not to become a problem of worshiping a human being rather than God. If, in fact, this man had not given God praise, if he had given Peter praise, he would have a far more debilitating spiritual limp and lameness than his physical lameness could ever have been. For he would not be able to walk with God. He would be following a human being. And that human being is not God and never can satisfy the greatest longings of heart, soul, mind, and life and give life that is eternal before God. So this morning as we spend time with God. Let's think about our lives and let's let's simply ask ourselves these questions. First, do I know the power of God that is available to us? Or do I have all of these opportunities around me and I not only don't 
access the power of God, but I have a distorted understanding of what is available to me. And I use an iPad for a cutting board when it's meant to give great direction and guidance to us. Do I know and experience and understand the power of God in my life? Do I focus intently to discern what God wants to do through me in the lives of others? Is the focal point of my daily life others? What's happening in their lives? Who are they? How could I use my gifts, my encouragement, my love, my faith, my hope, whatever God has given me to help them? Do I focus intently on the lives of others? Do I then give God the praise when the power comes and comfort or healing or strength or patience begins to be the product of that moment? Do I give God praise? I believe with all my heart that God is able to do exceedingly more than any of us could ask or think. I believe that we live in a world like an ancient person living in the electronic age without an understanding of the power that is theirs. I believe that God wants to do a work within all of us and all whom we love. And so may that be true for you and for me. Let's spend time with him.